morning again. Brother Shane, thank you for allowing me to uh, preach today. It's, um, it's really good to uh, have this opportunity, and thank you for that beautiful music. Um, you know, I, uh, when I started in the high school, I, I wanted to play in the band, and my mom and dad bought me this clarinet, and, and I, I don't know, I guess I just didn't have enough wind. I didn't last very long. <laughs> But, but I don't know, the people, the people here probably could testify that I got too much wind. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> and I guarantee you Kay can tell you that. Kay would love to have been here today. Of course, she's not feeling well. She's got to go back tomorrow to start another round of chemo. Um, but, um, you know, the good news is that um, the Lord's going to take care of her. Uh, we're going back to Houston the 4th of July, if everything stays on schedule, and hopefully and prayerfully, the thing will be gone completely, uh, and, uh, and we can come home and get back to business. Uh, <clears throat> if you have your Bibles and would like to turn with me to James, the 5th chapter and the 16th verse, I'll be re reading the last sentence there. Um, and I want to thank the church for coming and having prayer with Kay and anointing her with oil. Um, I'll tell you, prayer is the answer. There's really no other answer. And God is the answer. There's really no other answer to healing. Uh, I mean, thank God for doctors. Thank God for surgery. Thank God for medicine. But when it comes right down to it, God made the body and he's the one who heals it. So we just praise the Lord this morning for, for his healing power. The thing I want to get to this morning is that we have to know how much God loves us. For God so loved the world. You know, John 3.16, we all know that verse. And that God is love. God is love. And we love him because why? He first loved us. He is, as the song we were singing a while ago, he should be the apple of our eye. He should be the number one person. I, I can't call him a person. I'm going to call him Father. That's who he is. He's our Father if we know Jesus is our Lord and Savior. He should be the number one experience in our life. And he tells us in his word that not only is he the apple of our, should be the apple of our eye, but we are the apple of his eye. We have to know how much he loves us. We have to know that if everything else is going to, to work. It says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Let me read that again. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Now, anyone in here this morning feel righteous? Because you've got to be righteous for your prayer to have any effect. But the Bible tells us that there are none righteous, no, not one, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So it kind of puts us in a dilemma if we, 
If the Bible says it's the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person, that's going to be answered. So what are we going to do? In Hebrews 10, the 14th verse, the Bible says, for by one for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he has said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is a remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh. You see, there's only one way to become righteous. Only one door. And He stands at the door knocking all the time, and he asks us to open the door. He's not going to shove his way through, but he's going to make us, the, give us the opportunity to open the door to his righteousness. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. We're being sanctified. Are you being sanctified? Set apart, set aside as a witness to the power and demonstration of loves, of God's love, His gracious love, His mercy, His forgiveness. You see, the world wants to look at us and say, they're self-righteous. They make all kinds of mistakes. And they call themselves Christians. And they think, they think they're good. Do they, they think they're right. They think they are better than us. Well, that's what the devil wants the world to look at us and say they think they're something. Well, you know what we need to tell the world? We are something. We are the children of God. We are the children of God. We've been set apart. We're sanctified. We are righteous. But they look at what we need to, to tell them. Yeah, look at us. Look at us. I am not a perfect human being. I fail all the time. But God never fails. God never fails. Jesus never fails. The Holy Spirit never fails. And I'm being, from faith to faith, I am being sanctified. I'm being set apart. I am, I am a child of God. Now, God 
loves us. And this is what I want to really get to today. When you go to the throne, when you go before God and you're praying to God for whatever it may be, and you're talking to Him about a serious problem and you want God to meet you at your point of need, do you feel righteous? Do you feel sanctified? Do you feel like you're a good person? Do you feel that you like you have the right to be on your knees before the throne of God asking Him for anything? I mean, this is a real serious question because this depends on whether you get your prayers answered or not. Because how do we live as Christians? How do we live? We live by faith. Paul said it's not by works, it's by faith. And why do we do what we we do for Jesus? Why do we come to church? Why do we do what we do? Why would we teach Sunday school? Why would we preach the gospel? Why would would the apostle Paul do what he did? Why would all the the apostles uh, be martyred to death? Why would they go through all that they went through? You know why? Because they knew how much God loved them. You know, Peter was asked three times by Jesus, Do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then Jesus said what? Feed my sheep. You see, out of that love, it's not by the law that we do what we do. We do it because God loved us and because of His love, we want to do we want, to, we want to serve Him. Because look what He did for us. While we were yet sinners, He gave His Son to die on a cross for our sins. When I really get a hold of that and I grasp what He has done for me, then it's not a hard job to love him who loved me first. That I want to do what he wants me to do. I want to do what the Holy Spirit dwelling in me wants me to do. I want to. I don't have to. I want to. You see, that's the difference between internal motivation and external motivation. We can have all the laws in the world placed on us, but if we don't want to do it, we won't do it. We can have have the greatest police force on the face of the earth. And if there's not an internal motivation, that's one of the problems in our society today. We've lost the internal motivation to do what's right. Because, you see, things have gotten a little lax. But you see, the law, and that's what Hebrews is all about, the law and sacrifices, that they didn't do the job. The law and sacrificing animals didn't do the job. 
Do you know there wasn't one, the children of, of Israel, the children of Israel, there wasn't one child in the children of Israel that was righteous. Not one. Because they were the children of Israel. Jesus is the only righteous one that came out of the Jewish heritage. Only perfect one through Mary. But you see, Jesus came, as it says here in Hebrews, to set aside the law, the animal sacrifices, to put aside the first so that the second may be introduced. The old covenant set aside so that the new covenant could come into being. And what's the new covenant all about? The new covenant is about grace. Law, the law, it says in John, first chapter of John, the law came through Moses, but grace came through Jesus. And you see, we receive our righteousness not by our works, not by the law, not by our deeds. We receive our righteousness through the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. We receive it through His blood on the cross. And we're not the children of Israel. We're the children of God. That's the key to going to the throne of grace. We come as children of our Heavenly Father. We come because He loves us. We should go boldly before that throne of grace and, and, and make our requests known because He loves us. If men being evil will give good gifts to their children, the Bible says, how much more will God give good gifts to His children or give the Holy Spirit? You see, not only is God our Father who loves us, and makes us the apple of His eye. But, we are also dwelling, He's dwelling in us. I've been teaching on Sunday nights, the Ark of the Covenant, where God's focal point was in the Ark, and there was the mercy seat there. But you know who, who's the Ark of the Covenant now? who has all the power of God dwelling in them? You, if you know Jesus is Lord and Savior. It's you. We walk around as Christians with the power of God dwelling in us. Jesus said, I'm in you, you're in me, the Father's in me, the Father's in you. The Holy Spirit is in us. We are to represent our Heavenly Father, through the Holy Spirit being the witness in us. And when the world starts to see God in us, Jesus in us, the Holy Spirit in us, then we will have a testimony. We will have a witness. Not our witness, but the witness and the power and the mercy of God's grace in us. Because you see, when someone looks at Ron Lewis, I pray that they can see the Holy Spirit. Because if they see me, 
But I want them to know there's a, there's a, there's a difference. I am righteous through, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not the righteousness of God in Ron Lewis. I want them to see God's mercy for someone as wretched as me. I want them to know that I have a Savior who saved me from myself. I want them to see that comparison. Here's Ron Lewis, but here's God who saved him. The old man is dead. There's a new man through Christ Jesus. I'm alive through Christ, not through Ron Lewis. And when someone sees me, they're going to see no way to salvation. But when they see my Savior who saved me, as the old invitational hymn, Just As I Am, I came just as I am because I had no other way. I couldn't come before Jesus perfect. I couldn't do it because I'm not perfect. I couldn't come before Jesus righteous because I wasn't righteous. I had to come to receive the gift of righteousness. I had to come and receive the gift of perfection. And you know what? He gave it to me. It's His righteousness in me. It's His perfection in me. What did Jesus tell His disciples? In Matthew, the 5th chapter, the 48th verse, what did He tell His disciples? You will become perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. How perfect are you today if you know Jesus is Lord and Savior? You're as perfect as the heavenly Father is perfect. You say, Ron, that's... That's impossible. No, it is impossible for you and me, but through God's eyes, you have been perfected through Jesus Christ, through his blood. So what do you need today? What is your need this very moment? Come before God's grace, before God's throne. Come before him in knowing that you are righteous through him that you are perfected through Him. You can, you can come boldly before the throne. You can come boldly before the throne. Don't go, don't go before the throne feeling guilty. Don't feel guilty. Feel loved. Feel saved. Feel God's mercy. Feel God's grace and go with faith believing that he finished the job on the cross. You say, but Ron, you don't know what I've done this week. I don't know what you've done, but God does. He knows everything we do. He knows every thought. He knows everything we do. You said, oh, but I've had some really bad thoughts this week. Well, you probably have. I have too. Uh, someone cut me off the other day on, the, on, on Ring Road. I had some terrible thoughts about that individual. But you know what? God loved that individual. I didn't at that moment. 
But should that keep me now from coming before the throne of grace in a time of need? I have to go by faith. You see, when I recognized that I had that bad thought, I had to say, Father, thank you for forgiving me for having bad thoughts. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving that person that I just didn't think was very lovable. Thank you that you've taken care of every thing that I've ever done, that I ever will do, and that you will remind me that you've given me your Holy Spirit, that when I do mess up, when I do something wrong, that the Holy Spirit will convict me and allow me to come before your throne of grace and say, God, Father, forgive me. And what does he say he will do when I do that? Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. I can remember, I can remember all these, I can remember all these bad things that I've done. In fact, the devil keeps reminding me of all the bad things I've done. But you know, I can go before God's throne of grace in a time of need knowing that he doesn't remember one of them. He's put them as far as the east from the west, the Bible says. Because I'm his child. I am his child. And you know, when I come before him, I don't come before him in a religious state of mind and say, oh, my heavenly father, you know, the, 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 the legalistic, pharisaical way of coming before God. No, I come before my father. I come before my father, Abba. I come before him as my daddy. Because I know how much he loved his son. How much God loved his only begotten son. And he, he loved Jesus so much. But how much did he love you? How much did he love me? And I can't get over it. Of how much he loved me. That he gave that only begotten son. That he gave him for me. He gave his son for me. And if he sacrificed that much for me, then I've got to know that when I talk to him, when I come before his throne of grace and mercy, I can, can come with assurance that he's going to hear me, and he's not just going to hear me, he's going to answer me. My son, what do you need? He's asking you right now, each one of us, what do you need? What do you need? If men being evil will give good gifts to their children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give that good gift to you? What is the gift that you need today? 
Do you need Jesus as Lord and Savior? Do you need to accept His gracious mercy that's freely given? I mean, you're not charged a thing to receive eternal life through Jesus. Not one thing. He paid the price. All you have to do is receive it. It's a free gift. I mean, that's an amazing thing right there. I guarantee if I had a bottle of uh, eternal life oil up here, <laughs> and I would say to you, mm, I'm charging $100 a bottle. You'd be running up here, you'd, you'd pay whatever I wanted. Well, I don't have a bottle. I have the Holy Spirit. And all you have to do through the witness and the power and the conviction of the Holy Spirit that may be speaking to your heart right now is receive it. It says, if you will believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, receiving it by faith, then it's yours. It's yours. It's that simple. I did that in 1978. Just received it. Confessed it. Whatever your need is this morning, you can step forward right into that throne of grace and receive it. You know why? Because God loves you. He loves you, and He paid the price. And we all know what that cost. Because He first loved you, you can love Him. Will my love ever be as great as his love? No. But he doesn't ask that. All he asks is that you accept his love. And I guarantee you, your heart will be changed forever. You'll never be the same. And you won't be worried about, oh, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. I've got to go to church. I've got to do this. I gotta... You won't worry about that. You'll be wanting to do everything that you can do to please your Heavenly Father. Good fathers make good children. Good mothers make good children because they return that love. As we have a hymn of invitation this morning, please stand. And if you have a need, I don't know what it is, but if you will just come boldly before the throne of grace, knowing that God doesn't have a thing against you, that He loves you, and He's paid the price, He'll meet you at that point of need. When we walk with the Lord in the light, 